I'm Yahweh. Again, you bring me another day, breath to my lungs. You've graced me with this opportunity. Bless me with this chance to be a conduit again for your truth, your knowledge and your wisdom, Father God. Chance to be a conduit. Thank you, Father. So, as I shared with you before, the Holy Spirit, God, provide me this platform, the opportunity, and um, if it's becoming too much of my platform and I'm trying to make an issue, there's it just doesn't work. <laughs> and I don't mind that. It, it Not at all, because this is not about me. This is about God. And it's about his leading and his word and his truth. And if it becomes too much, um, I hesitate to use a term, but it becomes too politicized. And that's just to describe it as becoming too much of my activity. It's, it's not allowed. So I like to be guarded against that and, and be careful because here's the thing, brothers and sisters, that can happen quite readily. You go through and you just, you quench the spirit. You don't pay attention to what the spirit's doing and you go in your direction anyway. And I don't, that's not what I'm about. I don't want it to be like that. I don't, I want the guidance of the spirit. I want my father to talk to me. I'd like God to share his love with me. And here's the thing. Here's what we're going to talk about. I was sharing or started to the other day about <clears throat> there's a power in this plane of existence that we have that we don't even realize how powerful it is. And, and there's an old saying that used to be, I uh, can't remember exactly how it goes, but uh, love cures all ails and, and or uh, heals all wounds, time and love. And of course, that's something that's gone completely out the window now and people don't believe in any of that. And we actually didn't a long time ago. I mean, we walk away from things that is given for love and for love, by love, and the reason of love, I'm, I, okay, there's a great power in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ loved the world and he loved us so much. He got down off of his throne. He was sitting in a throne in the kingdom of heaven. And he stepped off the crown, off the throne, set down his crown and said, I'll go. I will do this thing because we created them together. My love for them is great. And he talked about that power of love. And when Jesus prays over the disciples, he's talking about his love for them and how the love of the Father is in him, so he has given that love over to the disciples. 
And you have to, here's the other point. I want to make this very fine point. And pay attention to what I'm saying because it's true. When I say the disciples, I'm not talking about the ones that you open up this, this manuscript and you open up the Bible and reading about them. When I'm talking about the disciples, I'm talking about us. The true believers, those who are trying to be about our Father's business and follow his direction and his word and his guidance. I'm not talking about the label heads. I'm not talking about the self-proclaimed Christians. I'm talking about the true believers that love God and want to be about our Heavenly Father's business, not those slothful, lazy individuals that will not open their Bible, they will not go to church unless they're begged by their spouse and pointed out things that are going on for the children of the church, a special occasion, and they don't even get up out of their chair to go. They don't tell anybody about their personal experience. And how are those true Christians? I question that, and I have a question. I mean, they accept the Lord, but they're not being about God's business. So their 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 reward is going to be justified. But brothers and sisters, he asks a very simple thing, is to share his love with this world. And when he talks about sharing, it's, it's not just to talk about the Bible and get people interested in going in. We're talking about the love of God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Excuse me, you have to question the power of love and Jesus Christ out of that power of love set down his crown, stepped off the throne and said, I'll go. And then he came down here and as he shared with us and told us before, he said, no greater gift. No greater gift than someone to lay down their life for their friend. Jesus Christ loves, he called us friends. Brothers and sisters, it's a powerful thing. The love is a powerful thing. There's a, there's a man some years back I don't know if anybody remembers him. I know the millennials have probably never heard of this guy. Or maybe surprisingly, they might have heard something that he did. And I pick on the millennials, not really picking on them, but it's just a kind of a time delineation because there's things that you've got no idea what you're talking about. And they, I, it's just <laughs> the reality of it. But this guy, Huey Lewis... He had a group once, uh, oh, Huey Lewis in the News. And uh, he did this song called The Power of Love. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just going to share some short, short, uh, the first portion. The power of love is a curious thing. It makes a, one man weep and it makes another man sing. Changes a hawk to a little white dove more than a Feeling. That's the power of love. Now, this man did this song talking about the power of love. But the Bible displays the power of love. It's on display. And John, the beloved, as he's 
termed by many and he's also called the disciple whom John who Jesus loved and you know when he was in the many pictures of the Last Supper he's portrayed as laying up close and laying over next to Jesus and and laying against his uh, laying against his chest on his left side which is relatively where they always represent the heart to be always trying to be close to the Lord's heart but the thing about the love that he had and that he he developed more and more as he walked with Jesus more is love for Jesus and and what he was saying and knowing that it was true and he talks about love all the time and in John 10:14 I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine if he knows us we should definitely know him know him not know of him know him as the father knoweth me even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep now, there's a lot of individuals that are going to have their knickers all twisted up and they're going to be uncomfortable. I don't like being called a sheep. I don't like being called a sheep. But, well, if you take a look at how man or mammon acts and reacts to things on it, we are very much like sheep. We tend to be a herding creature. We tend to go with the flow and we like things to be a certain way and just a certain way. And if it gets out of kilter, then it bothers me. I, I, I'm very much like that. I mean, I have... The enemy knows the weakness and he likes to um, expand on that and really draw out agitation. Um, but I was raised by a Marine Corps father, but I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't marching around the house or everything, but things were just so. I went in the Marine Corps. I was an instructor in the Marine Corps. And sometimes it's a little difficulty because I, that's, I, I'm an instructor, uh, but that's, that's not who I am. That's what I was. And I'm not that. So, you know, I talked to elders and things and I, and, and this, discipleship uh, college that I'm going to be able to attend that, that Father has decided and allowed for that to take place. Um, and I have to be guarded so that I don't become instructional to fellow classmates and students. We have to share and learn. I have to display that love for the Word of God and share that love. But John 10 talks about a lot of things here that we really need to pay attention to and realize and know about. And we can remember but not only remembering that God's love but you have to understand God, God's a jealous God and he's told us that before. You shall have no other gods before me. That was in the laws that he was writing that he had Moses deliver. Not Moses' law, but he had Moses deliver them. 
those in Exodus. Exodus 23. And we know too, and, and what about, this is in the Bible and it talks about the love of a mother. And unfortunately now, see, this is, this is one of the things that Satan is really working on disrupting and taking away. All this stuff that's going on, everybody thinks it's uh, some kind of other agenda and all this stuff, the alphabet people, and they got all this stuff going on. I've shared this stuff with you before. The rainbow. Okay, the rainbow was a promise of God and perverts will take and twist and change it and perverts will change and alter what was originally intended for good and make it evil or dark. The Bible is very specific. And the rainbow actually comes from a Babylonian god, a false deity, and they called her Ishtar. She was a sorceress. And they worshipped her. And one of the things about her was that, uh, is that she could alter. She could alter things, make them what they, change their their appearance and change their physicality. She could change them to something different. And her symbol, or they say that her eyes would change to that of a rainbow when she was trancing individuals and altering their minds and altering their person. And the symbol for her or their and their temple that was draped with a rainbow. Interesting. So they had perverted the rainbow, the promise of God that he wasn't going to flood the earth again, which was something that he did for us, and they change it to turn it into something against. And they think that they're parading and marching for a specific thing. Everything that's going on is, can be found in the Bible that God gave us because he loves us. He gave us this guidebook. He gave us a roadmap. And he gave us an instruction manual. It's a guide, a roadmap, and an instruction manual. You remember that I've shared with you before is that, you know, when you buy a car or you buy an appliance, you get a guidebook and it kind of points out how things go. They always have the, what do they call that? Uh, oh, the quick start. Quick start guide. So you can get it going without having to sit down and study the instruction manual and know every specific detail So he gave us, not only is it a guidebook, because we can go through and we learn and we read about God and we know about him because of things that we hear in the historical section of the Bible in the Old Testament and we know about God. But then we come and we start learning and we drive onward toward the heart of God. And in the New Testament, we find the birth of Jesus, which was told of his coming in the Old Testament. There are prophetic messages about the birth of Christ in the Old Testament, a couple of them 700 years before his birth. There's another one a thousand years before his birth was very descriptive 
of his birth, the virgin birth, and a description of him. Very specific. But I brought up the point of a mother. And mothers now in this plane of existence that we're on is very, everything has changed. Now it's talking about having the right if they want to not have a child. And they really, really are making this a, a legalistic dealing I don't want to get too platform because I have a specific thought about that. I mean, it, everything that's going on is totally contrary to the teachings of the word of God that he gave us. Everything is totally contrary. But here again, this is an agenda that is not by any of the politicians or anything that's going on. And all these things that are taking place can actually go back in the Bible and see it and read it and know about it. You can go all the way back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament and read about what's going on in this nation now. And you can look around in Matthew 24. Jesus specifically talks about things that are going on in the world today and that it's not going to get any better, but talking about mothers again and the love of a mother and the woman, that she would go through the pain of childbirth. And Paul talks about it in the books of Rome in the book of Romans, and, and Jesus talks about it in a couple places. And that Nature and things that are going on around us are going to be, as it were, um, groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And look around and you see things. You have the earthquakes, you have all this tumultuous weather and the things that are going on. And you think that that's all just a happenstance things. And then, of course, there are those who are going to shake their fists at God and say, why is God doing this? Why did God make this happen? Well, God isn't making any of that happen to be destructive. But the point is that if you keep putting yourself in the line, people keep planting and growing in the lowlands. They know that there's a flood, uh, a circuitous pattern in the flooding, and they know that it happens every so often, and it's on a regular basis. But yet they still live there and plant there, and they just, they don't keep track of that. They don't track it. They just, they know it's going to happen, and they're living there, and then in, all of a sudden they have a really heavy, rainy winter, And the floodwaters come up really fast, and in the bottoms they come up as if you just you just don't know. It comes up really fast, and there have been and and I used to live in a state where that happened fairly regular, and I knew some of the people that lived there, and it would and it was simply heartbreaking. But they continually moved back there because the land was so fertile. But they lost everything. We're not talking about just. The crops, we're talking about their house, 
their farm machinery, everything washed away or completely destroyed by the floodwaters. And then they would start all over again and go right back in there. And then everybody, oh, yeah, that's resilience. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, the... really? And then they go, th and they go through the pattern again. And some people, they tire of that. But these pains and these groanings and all these things that are happening, they're, they're in the word of God. It's not something that should be totally surprising us. I mean, we see it, we read about it. But brothers and sisters, we really need to know that God does indeed love us. Jesus loves us. Guides us, keeps us. I mean, God knowing that the devil has an agenda that he's working on and his agenda is to keep us separate from the love of God so that we would perish and not be able to have something that he knew. He lived in heaven. Satan used Lucifer, however you want to call him. The fact remains and the truth remains that he used to be an archangel. And he thought that he was powerful enough and he was going to take over heaven and be his God. And he was cast out of heaven. Remember what Jesus tells us in Luke 10. When he gives us out of love, he gives us authority to step on the heads of serpents and step on scorpions and to face even the power of the enemy himself. Can look him right in the eye and deny him accessibility. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And he must flee. However, however, I've shared this before. There are those who are willing to allow the devil to be something that he's not. They become fearfully engaged with him. Remember, I've shared this time and time again. Not to be fearful. God doesn't mind if we have fear. He knows we're going to be afraid. He knows we're weak. And he knows we have scars I mean, he knows that we're, we're battle-worn. None of that matters to him. He loves us. He just wants our hearts. All he wants. But he, for this spiritual battle that we're in, he loves us so much and he knows that we're going to be involved in these things. He knows that the devil's minions are going to come and come and come. So he gives us our general, he gives us our king, he gives us our guidebook, he gives us our roadmap, he gives us our instruction manual, and he gives us a suit of armor. God made us each a suit of armor because he loves us. He wants us protected. Breastplate of righteousness. Shield of faith helmet of our salvation. All these things are wrapped around this powerful, powerful, powerful love. And love is indeed powerful. 
it changes a lot of things. We gave up the power of love and we didn't have it quite honestly to begin with. There were loving individuals that were doing the stuff, but, but to have the power of love, we give up so quickly and so easy. God never gives up. God will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus came and died for us. He hung on the cross, was crucified for us. And I love this. I, I shared with you previously about this. I did this to honor my father, but then the Holy Spirit came and spoke to me and, and, and just reminds me that we are forged in fire. We are tested. We are tempered. We are strengthened in our faith, in our walk. And remember that even in all these things that are going on, God is with us. Jesus promised to never leave us. He will be with us until the end of the age. And this, this world as we know it now, when we look around that so many declare as being their home, oh, this is my home. I'm gonna fight for my home, you know, and they wanna be all patriotic and all this pull up this machismo thing. I was doing that for a little bit, but here's the thing. This is not my home. This is a working residence. I'm on a work visa. I'm on contract with God because I'm about my father's business. And I signed a blank contract with God telling him that I would do this and be about his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom. And he gives it to me to share and he allows me to do it guides me in the doing of it. So this is about glory to God and his love for us. I cannot express often enough or how much. And that God come, Jesus came to bring us light. John talks about that in John 10, I'm sorry, John 12, jumped out, but I left that behind. In 12.35, we hear, and Jesus talking about the light of the world. And People are all, they're clamoring to be around him and listen to what he's saying. And people are saying to him that, that we heard that you're going to be forever. And now you're telling us that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And, and who is the Son of Man? They have all these questions for Jesus. They don't understand some of the things he's saying. And that's okay. But he loves us. So he explains. 1235, then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed. And did he hide himself from them? He was trying to get them to understand. He's he's has a point there that so many and and quite honestly we see it happening as an example that that when Jesus took uh, 
when he took disciples with him and they went up into the garden and some that had been with him for a while and on those that were close with him and they went up and then and it said and some departed well yeah some did some just they they couldn't they couldn't say and look what happened with the disciples when jesus left and he told i mean he had been telling and then he's gonna leave and he's gonna go and he has to go but he also told us when he got ready to go back to heaven he also told us, he said, that there, that because I love you, he said, I'm going to make sure that I talk to God and that we send you a comforter because I'm going to go. And part of the reality of that is, I, in my perception, could be wrong, but I don't think so. Part of that perception is that because Jesus knew how fidgety, finicky, and how, and I mean, here's the thing, as long as they walked with Jesus, there were still these things that came up, like when they had the stormy, and the Sea of Galilee is known to just be a tempestuous place, and just out of, out of nowhere comes a storm, and when the disciples, he told the disciples, I mean, he openly, audibly said, we're going to the other side, and they knew that they were going to get in the boat, and then the sea became uproarious, and the winds came up, and, and they knew, the fishermen surely should have known this. I mean, they've gone out, and they know that the weather on the sea changes abruptly. But yet, when Jesus told me, he said, we're going to the other side, gave him full warning, and he lay down to rest because he had been doing all these things with the crowds, and he was tired. And the seas came up, and that tiny ship was tossed. The boat was tossed in the water. Well, they came back, and they woke Jesus up because he had laid down on the bags and baggage and things in the back of the boat, and he was tired. He, he laid down to sleep. And they came back because they were so afraid. They woke him, and they roused him, having the only begotten Son of God in their presence, and all the things that he had done, but... And he was there, physically there, but yet they were so confounded and so worried and they became so agitated about what was going on around them. They'd already forgotten the things that they had witnessed and seen. And they said, how could you sleep? Look at this, everything that's going on. And oh, ye of little faith, peace be still. And the wind stopped and the sea calmed and everything was done. And they said, oh, and then they had this revelation. Who, what manner of man is this that even the winds obey? It's as if they had completely forgotten all the things that they'd already seen to that point, And now this was something extra special. Um, no. And the gentle rebuke that Jesus gave them, I mean, they had been with him and they'd been seeing him do things. And yet when the winds came up and they figured that the, it was much more powerful than anything they'd already witnessed and been in with Jesus. So now they were in real trouble. So they woke him up. The only begotten son of God who was there physically with them 
as if something was going to happen while he was right there with him. And then when he came walking on the water in the midst of a stormy weather, again, stormy out on this, and he came walking to them. He said, okay, you go to the other side. He goes, I'm going to finish up here. You go ahead. And again, they took off in the boat and they started going. And then the storm and everything came up. And Jesus came walking on the water. And what were some of the things that they declared? Oh, it is a spirit. Oh, this, oh, that. And all these other things. And then they realized that it was Jesus actually. And, you know, of course, Peter being Peter, he says, Lord, if that's you, you tell me to come out. And he did, he got out, but then he was walking and he was doing fine. And then he started looking around and worrying about everything that was going on around him. Isn't that what we do? We worry about all these things that are going on. I mean, we saw that in Peter. We see it in the disciples and we, Elijah on the mountain and all these things. Do you not think that God is trying to give us a representation of what we are about and how we are? He is telling us. He's guiding us through and he's letting us know. And the instruction manual is what? Focus on him. Focus on his love. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his love. But the devil tries to take that away from us and get us to focus on all this stuff that's going on around us. And the point with Elijah is you're out here in the middle of all this stuff and you can't hear me when I'm trying to talk to you. Because I'm talking to you as a heavenly father. I'm not going to scream and loud. I'm not going to yell at you loud. I'm not going to be the voice of many waters. I'm not going to thunder and roar at you like the sea. I said that I'm not. I'm going to talk to you like a loving heavenly father. Because that's who I am. That's what I am. And I'm going to talk to you in a still small voice. And that's what he does. So all the stuff that goes on and everything that we get caught up in, he loves us. And Jesus, again, is reminding us of his love. <clears throat> and in, we're going into John 14, and we go down into... Verse 23, and this is uh, the other Judas that showed up is not Iscariot, and it's very pointed in this. And and this is when he's talking about the love. So I'm, I'm going to back up again. And actually in verse 18, 14, 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is that that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. 
Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whoso, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace, I leave with you my peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus loves us. God loves us. And all these things he's trying to get us to understand. And we have an issue with the physicality of his presence. And there's so many that gripe and complain about that. How am I supposed to believe in God? I can't see God. How am I supposed to? Jesus left. Always find some reason not to. But how about the very fundamental issue of our being saved? Jesus came to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, and pay the debt that we have no way, shape, or form. As many lifetimes as we might work and earn, that we would still not earn enough to, to pay for what we owe. But Jesus came and paid that debt. Wiped it clean. He came for our sake. Brothers and sisters, he loves us indeed. And as he's promised that he will come again, don't look at his... There were disciples that walked away and there's people that walk away now because they say, well... He's gone, he's not coming. And then like that young pervert who is of the Church of Satan wants to make these declarations that aren't true. But then, as I said, he stepped aside in the video and, and that was an error because then he tried to cover it up quite quickly. But the pentagram, the symbol of the Church of Satan, he revealed it and it was picked up by the videographer. And I think somebody told him because he, he kind of quickly, I mean, if you were watching the video, you'd understand what I'm saying. He made a gesture as if, oh, I just messed up. And then he moved back over in front of it again. So perverting the word of God, twisting the word of God, twisting his truth into a manifestation of a lie for a fruitless gain. Because I already know that it's the infallible truths that are within this book which means that you can try and attempt to change it all you like, but you can't. You won't be able to. So as a sorceress tries to change those things through her power, sorcery, witchcraft, the reality is that it can't be done. It is still what it is. 
uneven and through much of that can't be changed. God loves us. Jesus loves us. And even for those that walk away, the power of the truth is there. You put your faith in, in all these other things. I mean, things that you can't see or touch or be aware of, but you would rather turn away and walk away from God whom you can't see, but you can know. And this is a thing that you have to know and realize and believe because it's truth. Our Heavenly Father is a good, good father. And not just because it's the right thing to do and then he should be that. That's his character. That's who, who he is and what he is. He can't not be that. God is love. Indeed, God is love. And that power of love is powerful. It raised Jesus from a tomb that he was placed in. It rolled the stone away. And understand this too. That stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus, the Son of God, could get out. He concedes. He raised Lazarus, his friend. His friend Lazarus, whom he loved dearly, along with his sister Mary and Martha, different Mary and Martha. They were his friends. But Lazarus, there's a, a special relationship there. There are some questions as to an actual earthly relativity to them. Um, you know, John the Baptizer was Jesus's earthly cousin. <clears throat> there have those that speculate, but I have not found a scripture to support it yet. Doesn't mean I stopped looking. But there are those that would indicate that they were relatives, but it speaks to Jesus's love for his friend. And that power of his love came back to the house when all the paid wailers and criers and <clears throat> loud uh, mourners and all that, they were, they were there because they were paid to be there. And that was culture in those days. It's what they did. Not a bad thing. But Mary and Martha didn't have enough friends that could come and gather that they wanted to really kind of be in to honor their brother. So they paid some extra. And they were out there wailing and moaning. <clears throat> but, you know, when Jesus came, there's passage in there that Jesus wept and they saw him weeping. They said, oh, look, he weeps. He's sad. He's sorrowful. Jesus wasn't weeping for that. He was weeping because of the pathetic nature of what was going on and what they were doing. They were there not even to honor him, really. They were there because they were paid to be there. And he came because he loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. <clears throat> and they begged him to come out. And Jesus was weeping because he was actually becoming quite angry. <laughs> that they were there taking money to be fake. He was there because he loved the man. And when he came to the entrance of the tomb, he called out in a loud voice to him, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came up out of the shadows of the tomb, still wrapped in the cloth. And all those 
whalers and all that around there, they still, they say they didn't get the point. Many did not, some that did, and but many did not. <clears throat> but he brought Lazarus up. The power of his love for this individual and to glorify the power of God Brothers and sisters, the power of love is a powerful thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. The power of love is indeed a powerful thing. A young man, he well, actually, I can't say that because I think he's my age, actually, now. But at the time, he was a young guy and he was singing this song about the power of love. But brothers and sisters, and there were, are a number of places that Jesus talks about that love. And specifics when he talks about the comfort, pardon me, <clears throat> sorry about that, goodness gracious. But here's the thing too, that Jesus points out a number of things about his love for us, the power of the love that God has. And he talks about, always talking about the comfort that he's gonna leave <clears throat> and he says, I have to go and prepare a place for you. I have to go. It's that thing that I have to do. He said, but I'm not going to leave you without the comforter will come. And he testifies that again in John 15. In verse 25, I'm going to share that. But this cometh to pass, that the world, the word might be fulfilled that is written in the, their law, and they hated me without a cause. He's talking about the <clears throat> Pharisees and those that are declaring the law. And remember that law that they're declaring that they try to uh, confound things and, and accuse Jesus of violating that law was not the law of Moses, but the law of God. And Moses was just the, the delivery guy. Remember, I shared this with you. He just the he just the carrier. He didn't write the law. God wrote the law, and he gave it to Moses to deliver to the people. But they tried to stand on the fact that the law of Moses. And actually, I'm going to digress, and I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to start at verse 23, John 15, 23. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. So their declaration being that they weren't sinning because they didn't see it, they didn't get it, so they believed they didn't. And Jesus pointed that out and clarified it to them, so they really got agitated now. What it was like going in that dark room with the light. 
I've shared that with you. He that hateth me hateth my father also. So they really, really, now they're shaking their fists at heaven again. You got to understand, these are, these are Jews. They're supposed to be the leaders of the temple, of the synagogue. But they wouldn't even touch this man on the road who had fallen, was a Jew. But they, didn't, they wouldn't touch him because he was unclean because others that beat him up. They were unclean, so now he's unclean. And if they touch him to help him, they're going to be unclean. Oh, my goodness gracious, how, how blind can you be? Again, verse 23, He that hateth me hateth my father. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did... They had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Because the light walked into the darkened room and hit the light switch and the light came on and everything that was dark, they were sitting over in the corners doing all this stuff. And now the light came on and now they're revealed. Now they're upset because what they'd been doing, they knew, but that it was easy to hide in the dark. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send, unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall hear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. There's a relative and a I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the word and now I've got a... But the common thread that, that Jesus talks and shares and, and, this on, and binds this all is the love of God, the love of Jesus and the love that he has for us. He will come back. He's promised to do so and the promises will be fulfilled that he gave us. I believe that. The faith that I have and the truth, knowledge, and wisdom that God shares with me to give and share with others. The infallible truths I talk about. I believe these things. I believe what I read. I believe what I see. I believe what I know. And that's what I pray, brothers and sisters, for you each too, and even those of you that listen and you're not sure, be sure. Be aware. Know, not just know about God, but I'm, I'm telling you that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can have a personal relationship with God. It is possible to... Accept that Jesus came and died for your sake. He was thinking about you when he came. 
the love that he has for you, love that he has for me, what was he thinking about when he came? You and me. He knew of our existence. He knew that we would be here. He knew. And he says, I need to go down there and I need to do this for them. And just as the Pharisees, they were throwing rocks and clods and spitting at Jesus while he hung on the cross. The love, the power of love, the power of love. The scriptures don't share if any of them repented. I'm sure there were probably some that did. I would hope. But they were throwing rocks and they were throwing clods and they were spitting up toward him. Don't know if they hit, but they were they were doing it anyway. Just because they were so reviled of everything that was going on. And Jesus just looked down at him and weeping, he held his face up just before he died and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then the sky darkened and an earthquake. I'm quite certain they became fearful now. And now what's going on in their mind is what have we done? What have we done? Drop their stones in the clouds. And I, I believe that there are some that probably fell to their knees and begged forgiveness. They were forgiven. And there were some that just dropped the rocks and they ran. They didn't care to say or repent or do anything. Just like in the day when Jesus returns and he comes back and the sky will split and the firmament that separates us, we will, it will be revealed. Jesus and the hosts of heaven and every knee shall bow. My knee shall bow because I am compelled to do so because my king has returned. The Lord of Lords, my Lord of Lords, my King of Kings has returned as he promised he would. I will bow my knee because he is justified. He is worthy of that praise and that honor. And there will be others that will not be and they will bow because they are compelled for other reasons. And they didn't recognize, they didn't know, but they will know, they will know now. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, my going out and my coming in the opportunity that you have to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. It is real. It's an opportunity. And all you have to say is, I do believe. I will have faith in you, Father. And I want the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. You can do it with someone on your own. Just believe. Take that step. And there's nothing that promises that it's all going to be just as easy as can be. Because you look around, you see everything that people do to one another now. 
It's not going to change because of that, but your life can be different. It can be and will be different if you have faith and you believe it to be so. And God will prove to you over and over and over again his love, his caring, and his promises that he is with you whithersoever thou goest, whatever you're going through. He promises, and his promises are true. The infallible truth and the empirical evidence that is shown, you can try to argue it as much as you like, but the empirical evidence for me can't be argued. I have seen it in my life. I know that God is real. I know that Jesus came for me. I know this. Didn't just hear about it. I know it. But then, sisters, you are in my prayers every day, going out and coming in. 